So I've said it several times uh, how good it is to be together this morning. And you look amazing, by the way. And I love the energy that's here in this room. So just a, just a, a recap. Six weeks ago, six weeks ago, we had a snow Sunday cancellation. Nobody here. Doors were closed. The Sunday after that was the week that my brother passed away. We had church that Sunday, but it was a, it was a blur for me. It was an abnormal week for sure. The Sunday after that Sunday was Gas Sunday, lest we forget Gas Sunday. Um, yeah, the next, <laughs> the next Sunday after Gas Sunday was Time Change and March Break Sunday. Okay, that was the Sunday after that. The Sunday after Time Change and March Break Sunday was another snow cancellation Sunday. That's five if you're keeping track. And then last Sunday, there was 20 centimeters of fresh goo on the ground. And uh, many of you made it out to worship that day. And uh, so that's, that's the last uh, six weeks. And last Sunday, I mean, there was, unless the RCMP were literally standing in front of the building, we were not going to cancel. Like there was, there was church regardless of how much snow uh, that it snowed. So it's good to have uh, a normal Sunday. Last Sunday, Gayla and I, my wife Gayla and I, drove to Maple Ridge, New Brunswick, which is uh, near Crab Mountain. And uh, we have a cooking little church out there in the woods. And I mean in the woods, uh, running about 150 people. And a young pastor and family out there, his name is Nick Graham. And Nick needs a new liver. His liver is checking out on him. And he needs a liver. And so the We've been sending in pastors to, to help the church out. And last Sunday was my Sunday. And so Gail and I drove in that uh, grossness last Sunday morning and went out there. And we missed being here with you, but it was good to be with those folks in uh, rural New Brunswick. So um, before I jump into the, to today's message, I just want to plug again the series that we're going to be doing right after Easter. Just want to, you, you probably heard about it in video announcements. But the series is called You Asked For It, and it only works if you actually ask for it, okay? So we need you either by texting the number that Pastor Jay mentioned or writing it on your uh, Connect card. We need you to ask questions. And don't ask, like, don't ask, like, silly questions or, you know, half on an angle kind of questions. Like, don't ask, you know, why does the pastor drive an orange car? Or, you know, don't... Some poor volunteers got to go through all these things, and, and uh, they shouldn't have to read things that, 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 that you won't talk to me to my face about. Okay? Yeah, so, so don't do that. Don't, if there's something that you want to know about, come and, come and ask us. We're not, we're not hard to find. Um, so uh, ask the things that you would really like to see the church address, and obviously we can't answer every question, but the church should be the safest place to talk about anything. Right? So uh, keep that in mind. Looking forward to it. And uh, the You Asked It series is, is really meant to be invitational. It's meant to be, for, you know, an easy opportunity for you to say to people, they're, gonna, they're actually going to address the questions that people ask. Like, so I hope that you find that interesting. Uh, Easter, as we know, is one week away. I was thinking this week that we should, do, we should do a video of angels with snow shovels shoveling out the tomb so that Jesus can be resurrected. You know, I thought... Maybe Wingnut and Bartholomew, for those of you. Where's Wingnut? Is he here this morning? He's not here. Where is he? Oh, he's in the, he's in the children's. What? He's not in Florida. All right, all right. All right easy, easy, settle. Um, 
I mean, that would be Canadian Easter, wouldn't it? A couple of angels like, come on, come on, come on. We've got to get this thing dug out. Uh, our theme for Easter this year is the resurrection. <laughs> half, half joking. Um, our special guests are Tim Guptill and Jay Muir uh, for Easter Sunday morning. And my vision is that we would pack this place out every single seat. By the way, this is a fantastic crowd here this morning. Uh, this is a really, really great crowd. So we've got the door hangers. Uh, hopefully you have seen these, these door hangers. We've got squillions of them. And we want you to take a handful with you on your way out today. And, and we want you to, to take these home, pray over your streets, and then take this and actually, you know, go door to door in your neighborhood and hang it by the mailbox or on the door or put it in the mailbox or whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, because people you know might be just one invite away from, from accepting Christ. And Easter is one of the easiest times of the year to invite people. Uh, we want you to come on Good Friday. We had an awesome Good Friday service last year. Uh, Good Friday, uh, 1030 service. We want you to come to that. But, but, but Good Friday is only part of the story. And I wouldn't want your friends to just come on Good Friday and then check Easter off their list. Oh, wait, you're backwards from me. Check Easter off their list and not come out uh, Easter Sunday morning because the resurrection uh, is, is what it means for us today. Uh, same with the bunny blast. Yeah, we want you to invite everyone you know to the bunny blast um, and all that. If you know anyone with kids... Uh, they need an invite, and it's easy. It's 40,000 Easter eggs, and it's free breakfast, and there's all kinds of fun stuff for the kids. But we, we also want them to come on Easter Sunday morning uh, to, to celebrate with us the resurrection of Jesus. And so, if we can pack this place out for the prices right, huh? Huh? You should have seen this place. They were lined, they started to line up here at noon on Thursday. Lining up on noon. And I said, 10 o'clock. Okay, 10 o'clock. Come on down. You're, actually, you're already down. You're in the front. 10 o'clock they were lining up. And I said to Pastor Dale, you know, someday people will be coming early for church just to make sure they get a seat. Yeah. You know? Surely we can pack this place out for the resurrection. And, and this place was electric. I just love the atmosphere in here Thursday night. And I kept telling every, people, people probably got tired of hearing me say it. I just kept telling people, this is my vision for Sunday mornings. And this place we packed out and just, just electric uh, with energy for Jesus Christ. So uh, today's Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, when we remember Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey the week before the crucifixion. And people were cheering, and they were shouting Hosanna, and they were laying palm branches on the ground. That's where we get the name Palm Sunday. And uh, as Jesus passed by on this, on this donkey, people were throwing branches down on the ground. Um, I've been to Israel three times, and each time we make the journey, each time that I've been there, we make the journey down the hill from the Mount of Olives, down through the Garden of Gethsemane, and then into the old city of Jerusalem. And the first time that I was in Israel, there was a guy up on the Mount of Olives. Uh, he was up there with a donkey, and he was shouting, Ride the Jesus donkey! Ride the Jesus! I don't think it was that old, that, that donkey. Couldn't, couldn't have been the original donkey, but 
ride, $5 to ride the Jesus donkey, $5 to ride the Jesus donkey. And he, that guy, he must have done really well. Like he must have found a lot of people to ride the Jesus donkey because uh, the next time that, that, that I, when we were just there last June, go ahead and put this picture up, he upgraded. <laughs> and that is our pastor, David and Debbie Way, who are sitting down front here. And there they are in Israel. Riding the Jesus camel. Was that $5 too? More than that. Was it more than that? We won't talk about it then. All right, okay. And it costs, he says it costs more than that to get Debbie on the donkey, on the camel. On the camel. Okay. Uh, we're going back to Israel next year, hopefully. It's a trip of a lifetime. If you're interested, write Israel on your connection card and we'll keep you in the loop on that. So it's Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles here this morning, you want to turn. It's Luke chapter 19, where Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem about a week before the crucifixion and the resurrection. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells his disciples where they can find a young, unridden donkey. And he even tells them what the owners will say when they, when they catch the disciples borrowing this young, unridden, they're untying it, just, just taking it. There it is. Let's go. And um, about 500 years before this, the prophet Zechariah actually wrote that the king would enter Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. Interesting. And all this evidence is mounting that Jesus is who he says he is, and yet the people still crucify him a week later, and the disciples run for their lives as if, as if none of this ever happened. Which reminds us, all, it reminds us this morning that we're weak. And we need God uh, when the winter is long. And the snow keeps piling up. We need God when, when life is hard. And we wonder, you know, will the spring ever come? Will I, will I ever have my breakthrough? Will this season in my life ever end? And uh, my encouragement this morning is hang in there. So this cult's first ever ride is Jesus. Now, I don't know if donkeys have bragging rights, but, but this colt has cred. And, you know, I could imagine him saying to all the other donkeys, so uh, who was your first rider? And they start their way down the Mount of Olives. And here's another picture uh, this is Kevin and Barb in Gethsemane. This is what Gethsemane looks like. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, some of the trees, there's one tree there that they believe could be 2,000 years old. And uh, that's Kevin and Barb Campbell in, uh, in uh, Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. And they start their way down the hill, and the people start to sing and dance, and a spontaneous worship service breaks out. And some of the Pharisees got cranky, and they told Jesus to, to you know, hey, hey, tell the people to, to knock it off, to stop uh, worshiping you as God, and to stop calling you uh, king. And Jesus knows what's going down, right? He knows that this is the week. It's all going to crescendo on the cross. And so he tells the Pharisees that he will be praised as the king, whether we do it or not, because if we keep silent, if we don't praise him, even the rocks, even the ground will burst forth in, into worship. So he's going to be praised whether we do it or not. Creation knows the creator. God is God whether we think he's God or not. Jesus will be praised whether we praise him or not. 
Either we praise him as king, Jesus says, or the rocks start to sing. Either way, he's going to be, he's going to be praised. And I think as long as we are around, let's keep rocking the praises of Jesus so that the rocks don't have to do it themselves. Let's keep making some noise for Jesus. So Luke chapter 19 and reading this morning verses 41 through 44. Where Luke says, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. And then Jesus says this, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. And Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. As Jesus gets closer to Jerusalem, his passion for people intensifies. The closer he gets to his mission, his burden gets greater. His heart gets heavier. And there's a, there's a lesson, there's a great lesson in this for all of us. And, and it was timely then, and it's, it's really perfect timing for us right here this morning, a week away from, from Good Friday, a week away from, from Easter Sunday morning. Perfect timing for us. And here's the lesson. That proximity produces passion. The closer that Jesus gets to the people who need Jesus, his, his heart intensifies, his passion gets greater for those people who are, who they're close in proximity, but but as far as knowing him and, and believing that he is their king, it's, they're going to be far away. Proximity produces passion. Proximity to people who need Jesus produces passion for people to know Jesus. In other words, the closer we get to people who are far from Jesus, the heavier our hearts should get that they would come to know Jesus. Another way to say it is one week away from Easter Sunday morning at Bunkton Wesleyan, the heavier our hearts should be. That we would be able to lead as many people as we possibly can to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The proximity should produce passion in us. So, Jesus is getting closer to Jerusalem. And the closer that he gets, this, this intensity is, is building up in him. And we need to get closer to people who are far from Jesus. I don't mean creepy close. I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean weird. But to really get to know them. So that people know your heart. So that they, they do know how much we care for them. If you're out hanging door hangers this week. And you meet a neighbor that... Uh, you know, you, you, you've, you've passed by this neighbor lots and you, you haven't really made eye contact. You know, there hasn't been a lot of conversation and things like that. And, and maybe you're feeling guilty. Maybe you're like, man, I've lived on the street a long time and I haven't talked to that person. And here they are in the street. And now, because of Pastor Tim, I've got this, I've got this card in my hand. And uh, this is going to be awkward. My encouragement to you would be just to, just to get 
right in there and, say, and just, just admit it up front. And say, hey, we've been neighbors a long time. And, and, and I, you know, maybe, maybe even apologize if you need to do that, you know. And uh, my name is Tim. Don't say that unless your name's Tim. <clears throat> Use your own name. It's, it's way better. And, 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 and just get a little conversation going. I know we haven't chatted much, but we're inviting our friends and our neighbors to our Easter services. And uh, if you've got kids or grandkids or know any, any kids, um, to the bunny blast on, and, and just, just walk right into it and invite people. Um, how much do you pray for your neighbors? When was the last time you wept for uh, your family, even, even people in your own family who are far from Christ, your community, people you know who are far from God. And in his weeping in Luke chapter 19, in this text that we read, in his weeping, Jesus speaks a, a prophetic word over Jerusalem. He knows how the next few days are going to roll out. He knows that, that, that in, the, in the days ahead, Judas is going to betray him. His disciples will leave him. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be sentenced to die a criminal's death of crucifixion. He knows that he's about to take the deep dive of all deep dives. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be despised and humiliated. He's going to hang between two thieves. And he's going to descend to the very depths of hell to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And that price really is right. Had to get that in somewhere. That price really is right. And Jesus knows that in a few days, the same people who are shouting Hosanna will be shouting crucify him. The very same people. Their shouts will turn from Hosanna to, to shouts of crucify. And he knows that Jerusalem will not accept him as their king. They will reject him. And in his weeping, Jesus prophesies that Jerusalem will be destroyed. And in the year 66, just a few years after, after the crucifixion of Christ, in the year 66, Rome invaded Jerusalem. We know this from, from history. And by the year 70, it was, it was uh, completely crippled and devastated. And Jesus called it and he said, Jerusalem, I'm, 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 I'm so sorry. And not a rock will be left unturned. Well, what can we learn from this? I'm glad you asked. You always ask the best questions. We, we, all of us, we have an opportunity, a window, a space and time when Jesus is present and we can help as many people as possible make an eternal decision to follow Jesus. Not just a a one-off, in the moment, Hosanna, Oh, look, it's Wednesday. I'm done with Jesus kind of decision. I'm talking about we need to be making disciples here at Moncton Wesleyan who will stand at the foot of the cross no matter how difficult it gets or how much pressure they face. Why weren't the disciples of Jesus, why weren't they um, anticipating his resurrection? Why weren't they sitting in, in lawn chairs waiting for that stone to be rolled away, waiting for Jesus to bust loose. They didn't get it. 
He told them over and over again, in three days I will rise. And they still didn't get it. I mean, they could have set their watches to it. They didn't have watches, but take an apple, cut it into the shape of a sundial, apple watch. Another, they, they, they didn't get it. Another thing we can learn from this is what you decide about Jesus matters. And everyone, everyone decides. Everybody makes a decision about who Jesus is. And it's an eternal decision. It's not about, following Jesus isn't about picking a certain church. It's not about a certain uh, denomination or certain religion. Everyone makes a decision about who Jesus is. And it matters to the point that, that Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And he, and he makes this bold statement of, of judgment over the city he loves because he knows they're not going to accept him. He knows that they're going to, they're going to crucify him. Jesus was clear about who he was and what his mission was. He was coming to bring radical transformation to anyone who would follow him. He was building a new kingdom that would be radically different to any, any, anything that anyone had ever experienced before. Jesus wasn't asking people to be, you know, just, you know, follow me and be a little bit better. Or I can, I can make your lives just a little bit nicer. That, that wasn't it. He wasn't asking them to go to church, you know. Uh, following Jesus wasn't about, you know, now you can have more meetings in your life, you know, and, and all of that. Or now you can be more religious. Jesus was asking them to literally lay down their lives for one another. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago in our Blessed Life series. Jesus was calling people to, to follow him. He was calling them to, to live lives of love on such a whole nother level that, that people would find this new way irresistible. They would just, they would just see how the people, the, these, these little Christ, they called them, these, these Christians, it was kind of, a, kind of a slur, almost a nickname. Like, there, there they go, those little Christs, those Christians. But people would see the way that they love one another, the way that they serve one another. They would see the difference in their lives, and, and they would say, there's, there's something attractive about those people. There's something different about those people. That is, the way they're living is radical, and people would be drawn to that. One of the challenges of the church, our church, any church, is that people outside the church would clearly see the difference that Jesus makes in the lives of people inside the church. One of the challenges of the church, any church, our church, is that the people outside the church would see the difference that Jesus makes in the lives of people who are inside the church. Because why would I go? Christians, of all people, I mean, if, you've, if you just read and follow the teachings of Jesus, Christians of all people should never be boring. I was going to get you to turn to the person beside you and ask them if you're boring, but I won't. Because <laughs> I'm afraid of what you might get for an answer. Yeah, actually, you are quite boring. <laughs> Christians... Of all people, should never be boring. Church, church should be anything but boring. Boring church should be an oxymoron. 
Keep clapping, I'll have a drink of coffee. <laughs> Boring church should be an oxymoron like easy payments. Good news, it's only 126 easy payments. I've never had an easy payment in my life. Have you? No, no such thing. The church should be the place where, where you come in, you meet Jesus, you find Jesus, and, you, and you, you find your purpose for your life, and you get involved in what God is doing in this world, and there's nothing more exciting than what God is doing in this world. I mean, think of it. We could be sending dozens of teams a year to Haiti. Our church, we could be drilling wells for fresh water around the world. Every week we could be doing something like that. We could be building hospitals or building schools around the world. We could be serving in orphanages. We could, we could build an orphanage and then serve in that orphanage for the rest of our lives around the world. We could be, we could be involved in justice missions in the darkest corners of the earth. We should be involved in the needs of our community in ways that make a difference. I mean, the church should never be boring at all. There's so many things we could be doing. We should be experiencing biblical community on a level that people would be knocking down our doors uh, to be a part of it. Showing up at 10 o'clock in the morning just to get a seat. Well, the service starts at 10.30, so 8 o'clock in the morning just to make sure they get a seat. And events, you know, events are not the most attractional way to invite people to church. Changed lives are far more attractional than events. Changed lives. Like, if, if you're a changed life and, and God has clearly done something in your life, you are the, you're, you're, you're better than 10 billboards around the city. I mean, just you sharing your story. This is who I was. This is what Jesus did in my life. This is who I am now. You can't argue with that. That's, Jesus is the best way to lead people to Jesus. Woo. Um, telling the stories of what God is doing in people's lives, serving the poor and those who need us, that's invitational. That's attractional. People don't need another meeting to attend. They need a mission to attend to. That's what they need. They need a savior to serve. This text teaches us that the stakes are high. This text right here that we read. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Why was Jesus weeping over Jerusalem? The stakes are high. The stakes are high. An empty chair is a serious matter. We don't like to talk about what happens when people reject Jesus. We don't like to think about judgment or hell or eternity without Jesus. We're like, well, can we just talk about heaven? Just focus on heaven. If the stakes weren't high, Jesus wouldn't be weeping over Jerusalem. Okay? If the stakes weren't high, why weep? If everyone goes to heaven, why weep? Why go to the cross if everyone goes to heaven? The stakes are high. And Palm Sunday reminds us to have a spiritual urgency for people who are far from God. We have around 1,860 seats or something like that in this place, in this room. And we've got room for several hundred kids and teenagers as well. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. 
Seats on seats matter because souls matter to heaven. And uh, there's lots of room here. We have lots of room to grow. There's room for everybody could bring one person at least, and we'd be fine. There's lots of room to grow. But don't invite, don't invite just so that we can fill a room. I'm not motivated by, by just filling a room. I'm motivated by changed lives. I'm motivated by people you know coming to accept, follow, and serve Jesus with the rest of their lives. That's what I'm motivated by. So don't invite to, don't invite to fill a room. Invite to boycott hell. You might, you might not want to use that with your neighbor. Well, actually, I'm out to boycott hell. <laughs> Our church is boycotting hell, so that's... No, you might not want to use that, but that's really what we're doing. Invite because you believe. You believe in Jesus and you love others. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you again this morning for this great church, this great group of people. And God, we've seen you. We've seen you move. We've seen you work. We've seen you do incredible things. This church right here, the Moncton Wesleyan Church, we have reason to believe. We have reason to believe that Jesus is alive. We have reason to believe that that no one is too far from God. We have reason to believe that your grace is like water. It flows to the lowest point. And that, that there could be thousands of people in this city who are just one more invite away from coming to Jesus Christ as their Savior. And God, as you bring friends to mind, as you bring family to mind, as you bring names to mind, as you, as you show each one of us our mission field, God, I pray that you would break our hearts. I pray that you would give us a new burden and urgency. Help us to weep for those who don't know you as their Savior. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, I, I love this congregation. I love being their pastor, and I believe in them. I believe in them, and I know, God, that you have a great future in store for us as a church. And so, God, I just, I just pray that you would take the message that you laid on my heart, that you would help it to fall on good soil, on, on good spirits, and that you would give us, uh, that you would give us a renewed vision and believability. Uh, This week, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.